I'm Pastor Stephen. We are in our series, Then Sings My Soul, exploring the time-tested hymns that we sing, and more importantly, the scriptures behind them. This morning is blessed assurance. In John 4, a woman who wishes she were invisible meets a God who sees everything. Let's start our journey as all journeys should. Let's pray. Gracious God, you see everything. You see the depths of our heart and you love us still. You see how we want to wrestle the pen from your hand. We want to write our own story. And yet you are such a more brilliant author than we could ever be. Help us to surrender the pen to you, to let you write the chapters of our lives. And help us to tell your story in our lives. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and all God's church said, Amen. Amen. The name's Fotina, but my friends call me Tina. She says to her reflection in the water, it used to be true. That was five failed marriages ago, before her friends stopped answering her calls. She has a boyfriend, but he has no plans to put a ring on that finger. Her long dark hair sizzles under the hot noonday sun. She drags two large buckets to the public well, Jacob's well, dug 2,000 years before she was born. Back then, it was just a field and a few mud huts. Now it's a city park with benches circling the well and sunshades over the top, a place for people to gather in morning and evening. But Tina, she's peopled out. She comes at noon, the hottest time of day, when all the benches are empty, all except one. John continues the story, John 4, verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, this scene is scandalous for two reasons. First, Jews didn't talk with Samaritans. Samaritans were a mixed race of Jew and Gentile. They had their own scriptures called the Samaritan Pentateuch, which was the first five books with 6,000 changes, like saying the true temple is in Samaria and saying there would be no prophets between Moses and the Messiah. To many Jews, Samaritans were half-breeds and heretics. Second, Jewish men didn't talk with unmarried women alone. It was culturally improper, yet here's Jesus, the Jewish rabbi, striking up a conversation, initiating conversation with our dear Fotina. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. 
In her mind, two strikes against her. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Fotina knows this phrase, living water, it's a common phrase. It means moving water, like from a stream or a spring, as opposed to still water, like from a slough or a cistern. Yet Jesus has nothing with him but the clothes on his back. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who dug this well? He drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus continues to tell this woman everything she's ever done. She's had five husbands, and the man she lives with now isn't one of them. She thinks this man must be a prophet. But she's a Samaritan. She doesn't believe there are any prophets between Moses and the Messiah. Could this be? Verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you. Let's say these next three words together. I am he. Those words, I am, in Greek, it's the same as the divine name that God gave to Moses. When Moses said, who shall I say sent me? God said, I am is sending you. The God who is, who was, who will be. Jesus knows everything she's ever done. The woman who wishes she were invisible meets the God who sees everything. He sees the depths of her heart and he loves her still. This love, it changes her. She must tell everyone she has met the Messiah. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the what? Savior of the world. Fotina used to avoid people. Drawing water into the hot noonday sun. Now she seeks people out. She tells her story, God's story in her life. And when she does, 
people listen. People never used to listen to her before. More importantly, people believe. The whole town believes. They build a church over that ancient well. They baptize Fotina, her two sons, her five daughters. They commission her as one of the first missionaries to Africa, to Carthage in Tunisia. And that church that they built, they name it after her, the Church of St. Fotina. That's how we know her name. The church, it's still there. That ancient well, it still works. But Fotina would be quick to tell you that the living water of Jesus works even better. We've heard Fotina's story. How do we live what we've learned? Psalm 107, verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he has redeemed from the hand of the foe. Rather than explain to you how to tell your story, we want to show you how. And so we'll be inviting up two members of our worship team. Please give a warm welcome to Dan and Sarah. Dan and Sarah, you have quite the stories to tell stories of what Jesus has done in your life. And so, let's start at the beginning. What are your earliest memories? Well, my earliest memories are from a small country church. I grew up on a farm, and this church was like a mile and a half from our farm. And that image of Jesus hanging on the cross in that sculpture that was at the front of the church, going to Sunday school in the musty basement, and uh, just seeing neighbors and people that would help us um, throughout the week. But then we met them at church and we were um, just, that's what I remember as a little kid is going to that country church before we had to go into the town church before that one closed. But um, it was just a great start to my faith. Well, mine was uh, similar. I started in uh, Sunday school in the basement of the church. Um, always... Uh, at church on Sunday mornings and Wednesdays, that sort of thing. A lot of community built around the church, friends and family friends. Um, but my, my faith increased when I invited the Lord into my heart as a five-year-old boy. I didn't want to see my parents leave me behind. They go to heaven, you know. I'm, I'm thinking as a five-year-old about, you know, what if my parents die and then what, if I, what, what happens to me do I get to see him again? And so I invited the Lord into my heart as a five-year-old. I can remember um, being in my bedroom. I remember the chenille bedspread with the cowboy on it. I remember the, the blue walls with the pokey uh, plaster sand finish. And, um, you know, it, it was an impactful moment for me and such a relief to know that the Lord did come in and that I was going to be okay. Mm. And Jesus has been with you every step of the way. Yeah. Let's continue forward through the story. How has Jesus been present in your life ever since? Well, for me, um, I led worship in a church here in town for, since the 80s. 
and in 1999, um, my wife uh, received some prayer ministry, and her life activated. All of a sudden, Christ was alive in her and through her. She changed the way she treated me, changed. Everything changed. In the evening, the TV wouldn't come on. The worship music would come up in our, our lower-level uh, family room, and, and I just saw this happening in my home. And I decided that I wasn't going to get left behind. And so I, in, I engaged with the Lord. I expected things like, uh, you know, when my wife would go to the grocery store, she wouldn't make a list. She'd go, what should I buy, Lord? Um, you know, just that interactive daily stuff that uh, might seem foolish to many, but allows the Lord to be in your life with you. And so that happened for me, and um, I'm so thankful it did. Uh, a little later on, a few years later, I was thinking on a Sunday morning, man, Lord, how in the world do I kick these people in the pants and get them to really respect and understand who you are? And um, because for me, I, I, I've been the same as them for most of my life, almost 50 years. And um, that morning, the Lord said to me, this is not your battle, stand down. And I realized that I was going to get in the way of what he wanted to do with my own frustration and anger. And so I stepped down from worship, and it was another probably eight years before Hope invited me to help with their children's ministry and teach the kids what worship was and how to do it. And that was such a great task for me to have as an experienced worship leader, but also as someone who had an act of faith now and knew that Jesus lives in me. He is my life. He is my hope. And so I grew up, I had I have four older siblings and they're a ways above, so I was kind of an only child on this farm away from my kids. I had a great life growing up, but um, so I thought that I had an imaginary friend that I talked to all day long. And then it came to realize that it really was an imaginary friend. I just, I was talking to Jesus all the time, and that hasn't ever left. Like, throughout my day, whatever I'm doing, I'm, uh, I'm in conversation. And I mean, it doesn't have to be anything. Like, sometimes it's praising, sometimes it's asking um, just the simplest of things. Or, um, but I just feel like he is with me every minute of every day, and I can talk to him at any time. There's no, like, open and closed uh, doors, And then I feel like when I was asked to lead worship here, I came because I knew how to play music, and I had great worship team members, some are still with us, and, um, and they led me, and they helped, and then throughout that, this position as being a worship leader, um, it's enabled me to be able to, to pray with people, and to pray out loud, and to um, share my faith. And that wasn't always the case when I started um, over 20 years ago doing this. That was difficult. The music wasn't as hard, but the sharing and opening up. So I think having him with me all the time helps. Hmm. And who is Jesus to you now, today? Um, he is my savior, my friend. Um, my father, um, you know, God is my father, but um, through Jesus, I can talk to him. My earthly father is no longer with me, but I always have um, Jesus and God uh, with me each and every day. And I feel that I work with, I'm a teacher, so I work with young people, and there's so much hope in this world, and Jesus is the overall hope. Um, 
And if we can just instill that into the youth and to guide them and help them, um, I think that that's a, a good mission that, that I have and I think everybody should have. But um, yeah, I think most of all, my savior and my friend. Well, um, if it's okay, I'm gonna tell the, my lawnmower story. Yes, it's okay to tell I your lawnmower with, story. Uh, with Pastor Stephen. But um, so I'm, I'm on my lawnmower. I got one of those orange lawnmowers with a deck, you know, little tractor things. And I can turn my key to a certain position and I can actually back up while I'm mowing and go forward and backward and weaving in and out of all the uh, plants and uh, evergreens and all that kind of stuff. And I'm doing a really good job and I'm thinking, wow, this is really great. You know, my neighbor's got the same lawnmower. I wonder if he's maybe watching and catching a few tips on how he should mow his <laughs> lawn, <laughs> you know. And, and then I look over to his house to see if he might be looking out the window at me. Uh, he's not looking out the window, and I, well, so I just kind of caught myself, you know. And I thought, oh, boy, Lord, I am, you know, you know, who cares about me mowing my lawn with my lawnmower and my bungee strap? I can pull up on the, on the chute, you know, like, so, and it was, so I'm, I'm thinking about all this stuff, and I heard this voice, small voice say, well, I'm watching you. And I've got all the time in the world for you. Mm. And if it's anything I could leave with you this morning, is that God is watching and he's got all the time in the world for you. Amen. Thank you so much, both of you, for sharing. So Tina thought she'd be alone under the hot noonday sun. But Jesus was with her. Jesus was watching her. And Jesus had all the time in the world for her. Jesus is with you. Jesus is watching you with loving eyes. And Jesus has all the time in the world for you. How can you have this blessed assurance that says Jesus is mine? Take a long, loving look at your life. How has Jesus changed your life? That's blessed assurance. And if you're not sure how Jesus has changed your life, we as the pastors at Hope would love to help you put the pieces together. You could talk with one of our panelists. Jesus sees. Jesus saves. This is our story. This is our song, praising our Savior all the day long. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are with us. You are always with us. Help us to see. You at work in our lives, you who always see, you who always know, you who always love, you who always care. 
Help us to surrender the pen of our lives that you might write your story in our lives. And give us the courage, the boldness, the audacity to share our story, our song, you, Lord Jesus Christ, in us. And all God's people said,